This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today, my guest is Dr. Raquel Martin. She is a clinical psychologist. She's a professor at Tennessee State University. She is a mother of two, a mentor, and she helps black women navigate racism, gender bias, and oppression. She embraces the importance of protecting our mental health. Dr. Martin's clients and students attest that her accessible approach to mental health is a much needed and critical piece to building a movement of proactive and empowered individuals who value the relationship they have with themselves first and understand how they truly thrive. Okay, so in this conversation, we get to know Dr. Raquel Martin. We talk about raising families in community, undoing things from our own childhood. Wow. And she shares about her career, how she feels about church, racism, and gives us some great book recommendations as well and podcasts. I had so much fun talking to Dr. Raquel. You can learn more about her at RaquelMartinPhD.com. You can also find her on Instagram where she does a lot of great work. Raquel Martin PhD over there is her Instagram. Hey everybody, listen up. I am going to be at the Shamrock Marathon the weekend of March 15th through 17th. There's an 8K on that Saturday and the half marathon and the marathon is that Sunday. We are going to have a blast. They have the best after parties. This is the Yingling Shamrock Marathon, live music, Yingling beer at the finish. And I'm going to have a meetup, a group run. It's going to be so fun. I'll be speaking at the expo. And I really hope that I can see you there. If you are looking for a little getaway this March, come to Virginia Beach with me. This is going to be so much fun. This is one of my favorite marathons. I actually ran a PR there, my best time in 2013 and held onto that for like five years. It's a flat, fast race, and it's one of the most friendly, family-friendly races out there. So go to shamrockmarathon.com, use the code LINDSAYSHAM, that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, SHAM10, for 10% off your registration. I hope to see you there. All right, friends, today on the podcast, we have Dr. Raquel Martin on the show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Martin. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? How's Nashville? What's going on in your life? It's actually, it's kind of dreary out today um, and still reeling. It's still reeling from drop-offs from the kids this morning. They were both very cranky and they were, they were little monsters this morning. So my husband and I, we hate when it starts off that way because it's just like, man, it takes a while to shake it off. They were super cranky. This morning I was like, I was like almost like viscerally shaking, like, why does the morning have to start like this? Like, let's. Uh. That's how I feel every. It's just that's that's exactly how I feel. It's like mornings can we cannot start off our day like this, guys. Like we have to, you know, my son was exhausted and I'm like, yeah, it's because you refuse to sleep, baby. Now your kids almost two and four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what's your morning routine? Like what time do they get up in the morning? They're supposed to get up at six. So my oldest is in pre-K and then my youngest is with his grandparents during the day. Oh, nice. 
So the priority is always the oldest because he has to get there at a certain time Mm -hmm. versus if we're a little late to drop off um, my youngest and late is relative, right? Because it's only late because it'll make us get to work late, but there's no specific time. So the priority is always my oldest. And like, it's just, he's not, my youngest is actually, he seems like he's a morning person. My oldest is not a morning person. Is he at grandparents every day? My youngest, yep. Oh my gosh, is this your side or your husband's side? My husband's side. I mean, is that, that's like a miracle. That is like a dream come true. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the main reasons we moved to Nashville because, you know, uh, before, when I had my oldest, we were in Maryland and my husband and I had never experienced daycare before because we were both brought up before we went to school by our grandparents. Okay. So when we were looking at daycares and stuff like that, it was just a very weird experience because my mom was like, I don't know, I, I never dealt with that. You're you know, my mom watched you and Brandon's parents, my husband's parents the same way. Like we didn't do this. So, um, we decided to move back and cause we lived here for a little bit. I met my husband here. He's from here. We decided okay. to move back. Um, and my oldest, he was also with his grandparents during the day, but then he started saying he wanted to go to school like every day. <laughs> like, um, do you have thoughts on this as a therapist? Like as a psychologist, like, um, we've like totally moved away from that as a culture. Like, that communal like raising of children Mm -hmm. and I you know we intentionally moved away from my family not because of issues with my family but like we wanted to move to North Carolina Mm -hmm. um and so like people do that more often now you just like move away from family where in the past like you raised your families together and there's a lot to be said for that so I feel like the expectations are different on our parents when it came to their jobs versus our jobs. I feel like technology has made stuff, honestly, a lot harder for us to maintain a certain workload. Expectations are absurd with us, the cost of things. So I think part of it is also we kind of have to go where the jobs are. Mm. Um, And there's also the aspect of I think some people, they watch their grandkids, but they also didn't want to. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, I think, I don't know if they had as much of a choice in it, but I think there's also the fact that some people are choosing not to have their children be watched by their parents. Ah. Cause it's also like, yeah, didn't work out the best way for me. I'm not letting you watch my child five days a week. So I ah. think it's, I think it's the, a couple of things. I think the workload that we have is insane, but I think some people are also choosing, like, I don't, you know, i Every time I talk to you about parenting stuff, I am reminded as to why I pay a premium fee for childcare. I think some people are choosing it. Okay. I wasn't even planning to talk to you about that today, but I, I got to go there for a minute. Mm-hmm. So much to unpack there. I mean, that one of the biggest fights I've gotten into with my parents since I've had kids is, is exactly that. Like, you don't get to talk to my kids that way. Yeah. Um, what is your experience like that? And do you work with people in your practice where they're kind of like have to un- undo whatever they learned growing up mm-hmm. from what their parents did with them now that they have, you see so much more once your kids get a little bit older too. You're like, Whoa. Oh yeah. I feel like parenting tells, teaches me more about me than anything ever will. Right. Like the things that kind of make you exhausted or the things that you can't process. Um, I had a patient who had a significant difficulty with their like dealing with their child crying. And when we upended everything, it was kind of like she was never allowed to cry. So it was just it was just like the crying. Of course, crying is annoying, but it would just bring up this (laughs) thing of just being like, like, what what are you crying for? And kind of just bringing up like I was never allowed to cry. And and, and us having a conversation, I'm like, yeah, um, 
that's not appropriate. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, it's very hard to foster something into a, in a child that you never had. So if you were never spoken to in a respectful way, or if you were never allowed to incorporate yourself in conversations or express your needs, or even just express your wants, it's very hard to foster that in another generation without acknowledging that this is something you're going to work in. One of the, one of the um, most interesting family sessions I had um, between co-parents was with a mom and a grandma because, uh, the father wasn't in the picture as much. He was occasionally, but, um, after, and the grandma wasn't even going to be in the session, but after when she came in and she was having, we, she came in at towards the end of a family session and having these conversations. And I was like, Oh, you're the co-parent because she was talking about like the day routine and the night routine and they live with her. And I'm like, you're the co-parent. Yeah. You actually need to be in session too, actually. Yeah. You know, cause and they never really thought about it that way, but it was also like a generational difference. So that was that was fun. But a lot of times I'll tell parents, like, you know, if you're having a, a, another person who's like in there with your child uh, as much as you are, they're a co-parent. You need to have because nothing is gonna stick if they don't also like agree with it and have conversations. So Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I think back to that conversation with my dad or more so like me leaving angry. Um, I think that it was kind of like, you aren't a co-parent yeah, and you can't just breeze in here every four months and like lay the law down, you know, mm-hmm. when you're not even like a regular parenting influence in my kids' lives. Yeah. That's so tough. Um, what about that though? Like, because that generation, like the generation, our parents' generation, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you and I are probably similar age. Um, they didn't really do therapy much. No, no. And anytime people mention or they have, they're like, um, they make a statement like, oh, I'm too old to change. I always state like, you're not mm-hmm. too old to change. You're, you, you made a decision that your relationship and your comfort with yourself is more important than your relationship with me. Right. Because it's, it's never too old to change. It's like, I made a choice not to. My mom, she, that she has never been apologized. She was never apologized to by her mom. Or um, I'm pretty sure they were in like the seen and not heard era until you're older. Like when you're older, that's kind of when it's like you build a relationship with your child. But that's not how she reared me. And that's not how she is with 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 my kids. Right. Like if there's something she doesn't understand. My mom is not the kind of person who thinks I have to agree with something to do it. All I have to do is like respect the person who is sharing that this is a rule and then I abide by the rule, you know, but that's not how she grew up. So to, to make this mindset that like, oh, I can only behave in a way that I was brought up. That's not true. My mom never, she, she never had to deal with food allergies or have the whole, like, you know, I was like, you know, just joking, like we don't do sarcasm with the kids and like the screen time, like all of our stuff, most of our stuff is very different and she still abides by it. I'll never forget like this one we were doing, and this is like a very jokey example. We were doing tummy time and my mom, she cracked me up. She said, look at that. She said, I, I, I never did tummy time with y'all. Mm. And um, you guys hold your heads up fine. And then she was just, it was just very funny. Cause she was like, I never did tummy time with y'all. They love to say that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she was just like, we never did this. We never did that. Yes. And then next month, next day, she, when she was watching him, she was like, okay, so what time do we do tummy time? You know, (laughs) like it's, it's not, she was just, it's just an observation. She's like, I never did it, but I mean, show me how to do it with the pillow. You know, it's it's just, so when people state that like, oh, you know, I'm too old to change. It's like, no, instead of stating that, I want you to state that I've decided that my comfort is more important than our relationship. That's what I decided. Um, And I, 
I'm going to be okay with that because that's what it is. It's uncomfortable to change. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to just do things. It's the same thing I say, talk to my boys. Like, oh, I know it's tough. You can do tough things though. Like my oldest is very impatient. And I'm like, listen, I always say, I get it. Mama is very impatient. Mama is very impatient, but you can do tough things, right? Right. So uh, what about the sarcasm thing? You don't do sarcasm. Tell me more. Oh, I don't do sarcasm with the kids. What does that yeah. mean? Like, like, give me an example. When kids are older, sometimes I think we were doing something and my son had said something, flip it, and uh, something. And my mom was like, oh, I would, I, would, I would love to see you do that. And I was like, oh, oh. I don't do sarcasm with the kids. Ah. Um, I think it's rude. Um, okay. And it's not appropriate. <laughs> so, Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things about parenting that – and I'm going to say isn't talked about enough – like we're not educated on enough, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is more education than I'm realizing, but the stress that parents of young kids have when they bring their kids into extended family conversations and the pressure you feel for people to think you're a good parent, your kids are respectful, your kids are behaving, you're doing it yeah. all right. One time uh, we were down at my parents' house in Florida and uh, my dad was like, oh yeah, I saw this mom walk into this hardware store and all boys and they were just so well behaved and I just, I'm just wondering like, what, what's she doing right? And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, you don't know what kind of morning they had. Maybe she had some like reward system where like, if you walk through, I don't know what, you don't know what her morning was. And there have been times where my kids have walked through the store well-behaved too. And you just haven't seen it, dad. You know, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. The pressures we feel. Yeah. And I would say just because, and I think Maybe it's a psychologist thing. Maybe it's an East Coast thing. Maybe it's a Raquel thing. But I like when when I had I would have said something like, "Okay, so are you?" I just want to. What was the um, intent of that story? <laughs> like, do you think? Because I typically my best friend. She's I, I always I she's always just like you know you're very direct. But she said there it, it's just it's a very it's it's honestly it's more helpful because mm-hmm. if there's a problem you will tell me there's a problem if I hurt your feelings you will tell me you hurt I hurt your feelings like I don't ever have to guess whether there's an issue I just flat out say because I don't want to ruminate I'm like was the intent of that to tell me that I don't do a good job at something <laughs> because is that the case like I, I just want to know what was the purpose of telling me that story because there's always a purpose right like yeah. I typically meet things head on because it's like oh I don't like that yeah. Um, what are we gonna that do? is that is the one of my closest friends here down the street for me. That is my favorite thing about her. There's no beating around the bush. It mm-hmm. is like I'm just gonna be honest. I'm also like if if you invite me to something and I just like don't feel like it, I'm not gonna like act like I'm maybe gonna come. It's just like yeah. no, I'm reading a book right now. I'm I'm not gonna come on the you know whatever it is, and I appreciate that so much. It's a trust, right? Because I trust our relationship, and I trust you as a person to handle. The conversation, because I think sometimes people will mention like, oh, I'm blunt or I have brutal honesty. And I always tell people like separate the brutality from honesty, because me being honest with you shows how much I really respect you as a person. And I respect our relationship and trust our relationship to handle disagreements or conflict, because the the downfall of relationships is not conflict. It's poor conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm direct with you and I'm direct with everyone because I trust our relationship and I trust you to be able to have handle conflict in a healthy manner, you know, like, so I'm not gonna, I'm also, I'm not, I'm not going to walk around with you making me feel bad. So like, mm. Mm, is it uncomfortable? Now you know how I feel. Let's have the conversation because I'm, I'm not about to do this. 
Love Absolutely it. not. Mm. Tell me about your sweatshirt. Nobody's mad at you. Oh, this is from it's another therapist. <laughs> Oh, it's She's, like it's like her slogan or something. Yes, and she, I was like, you know, it's one. Of, it's first of all, it's really comfy. I'm a big hoodie person, but it's embroidered. Um, but her thing is the cognitive corner, and I tell her every time. I'm like, every time she's a licensed therapist. Every time I wear this, people ask me where to get it from, and I said, are you not selling them anymore? And she said, no. It got really overwhelming because oh. I sold so many, and I said, I bet you did because <laughs> like so many times in therapy and I, it, it's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anyone's mad at you. Cause that's a big, a lot of people have like, are they mad at me? Uh-huh. Nobody is mad at you. Uh, and if they are, cause one of the things I say in session is it's not your job to mind read, right? That's yeah. honestly a cognitive distortion it contributes to a lot of issues. Like a, a cognitive distortion, thinking traps um, is the normal word. Cognitive distortion is the textbook word, but basically we have all of these scenarios that contribute to us making ourselves feel worse. And mind reading is one thing, right? It's like, they said this, I said this, but maybe they meant this, maybe they're thinking this and you can't possibly know, right? Um, So one of the biggest thought processes is that someone is mad at you. And I always state that if someone doesn't bring it to you, that is not your responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? There could be many reasons why they don't bring it to you. They may not be ready. Um, They may not know how to have the conversation or they may not be mad at you or they're trying to be like um, a martyr or, make stuff difficult. Either way, that's not your problem. So unless somebody brings it to you, you know, and has that direct communication with you, it's not really your responsibility. Like think about how much more free space you can have in your head when you only address things that were brought to you directly. Mm, that is so good. Oh my gosh. Clear it up. Clear yeah, it up. Yeah, because- Clear it I out. Have, you know, I only have two, but like the the amount of time, I mean, like the amount of things in my brain- I got snow suits, but I forgot to get snow boots. So I got to get snow boots and then I got to switch doctors because the doctor retired. And then like my son keeps saying he's itching. So now I worry that his eczema is flaring up and nobody's sleeping and they're cranky. Do you think I'm also going to worry about the person who may be mad at me? Mm. No, if you're upset, let me know that you're upset and we'll let handle it. Trust me as well. Because there's also the fact that some people may not have shared with you because they don't trust you to handle it a certain way. Did you handle it odd last time? Right. And that's why I always state when someone is direct with you with no degradation, just having a a direct conversation with you about a disagreement that really shows that they trust and respect you and they really appreciate your relationship and they want to continue that relationship because some people don't have conversations with. And I think many of us have these people is like, well, I could say something, but they're going to freak out. Mm -hmm. And it's because you so it's like you're going to hold it in, even though it's super like what they did was rude or inappropriate because you don't trust them to handle it in appropriate manner or a healthy manner and you don't feel like dealing with it and all that's going to do is build resentment and then when you finally do talk you're gonna have a whole list of like you did this on january 1st january 5th january 8th <laughs> and it's like well um one some people don't know they're doing it some people do and i i've also found in therapy um with some patients that people some people really bank on you not addressing their crappy behavior mm. like they really bank on I can get away with this with certain people, so I'm going to keep doing it. Hey, everybody. A quick break here to thank Hug for supporting the podcast. If you are looking for the best bra ever, the most comfortable, the most versatile, no pad inserts. Their bras are bonded, so no more worrying about your inserts getting lost in the wash or anything like that. Super, super comfortable. Lots of color options. Go to H-U-U-G. 
lindsay15.co and use the code lindsay15, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5 to save $15 off your order of $115 or more. This is a great bra. I know you're going to love it. I'm wearing one right now. So comfortable. That's H-U-U-G.co, hug.co. Use the code lindsay15. All right, friends, back to the show. Well, we haven't even talked about like what you actually do for work and your profession. Oh, yeah. I'd love to talk about like your passion for mm-hmm. working with black women specifically and in your therapy and in your work and how you got involved in it. Oh, yeah. So um, I, so I'm a professor at Tennessee State University. I also have my own private practice and um, working on building my own research lab at Tennessee State University. Wow. Um, but when I went to get my um, my PhDs in medical and clinical psych, I always knew that I wanted to focus on black mental health, um, specifically like racism related stress and black identity development and how that contributes to mental health difficulties. So I just made it a point to specialize all of my training, like my clinical hours and my assessment hours and even my research hours just focused on that and kind of just made it so that I was able to educate myself on the experience and specialize on that. The same way people specialize in personality disorders or anxiety or um, one of my colleagues, Dr. Judith Joseph, she focuses on um, high functioning depression. She's a psychiatrist, same exact thing. Um, And I feel like there, there's so much more, I think, I think early on back in the day, with um, clinicians, there used to be this whole generalist model. But there's a difference between Mm. sleep difficulties as a result of anxiety versus sleep difficulties as a result of of depression, sleep difficulties as a result of postpartum, like stuff like that. So I always feel like there's so much, there's so much more power in specializing. And when I'm training clinicians, I'm like, figure out what your specialty is. uh, Because you can really help way more people being like, and sometimes there's a concern like, oh, I don't want to say I'm not working with people. But it's like, if you specialize in anxiety disorders, think about all the people you can help specialize in anxiety disorders instead of this phantom patient that may not come to you because mm-hmm. they have depression. They deserve someone who specializes in depression, right? So like the way the field is going now and the way I train clinicians, I'm always just like, what's your specialty? What are you going to specialize in? What, what do you feel as though you want to make sure you know above all else? And we do it in the med- medical field. You have cardiology, yeah. you have neurology and stuff like that. I'm like, psych needs to be the same exact thing. Because someone who specializes in postpartum stressors will be way more helpful for me than someone who specializes in depression in general. Yeah. Do you feel like there needs to be more people specifically working with this demographic? I do. Um, I always say, you know, when it comes to mental health, your mental health is, is linked to your environment. Like everything's not in your head. And no one gets treated the same in this world as Black people, right? It's it's inextricably linked to the way the world treats you, right? And if we can identify the fact that Black people get treated differently than anyone else, we also need to identify the fact that their mental health also will be impacted by that. Um, like racism... Um, is what we, I forget when they started off, but identifying it as a public health crisis. It mm. contributes to higher blood pressure. It contributes to greater likelihood of depression and anxiety. And when we get diagnosed with mental health difficulties, it also, um, our symptoms are more severe and they're more long lasting. Because not only are you dealing with the mental health difficulties, but you're also walking in a world that may not want, may show you that you're unwelcome, right? So you need someone who can not only talk about depression, but talk about depression in connection to racial battle fatigue. Like, is it the fact that you are depressed? Yes. But is your environment contributing to that? So is it the fact that you're at a work environment that is consistently degrading you or you don't feel comfortable in your own skin? And how do you manage that? That's different than 
oh, okay, well, let's see what's contributing to your depression in general. And if you're not comfortable discussing that, a lot of people are uncomfortable discussing racism. Or if you're uncomfortable, if you haven't acknowledged, I don't know, your role in certain avenues of, I think a lot of people stray away from conversations or difficult topics, and you kind of can't do that in therapy because they're coming Mm -hmm. to you to have that conversation. So it could also be like, I don't want to talk about this because I've never actually thought about it because I've never had to think about it, right? So how can you help someone with a topic that you've never taken the time to think about yourself? Mm. You're cleaning people. (laughs) My husband got this Roomba thing. Um, That's not helpful because it, um, I always say it's for people without children because it gets stuck on the Legos and stuff. And I said, oh, my kids broke ours. Really? Yeah. Your kid's age. Yeah. I would try to ride it. Oh, yeah. Jaden loves Jaden <laughs> loves doing that, actually. He really does. And honestly, sometimes, you know, if I'm trying to do something, I, mean, if it's I, not gonna I break let him. It. Yeah. I let him. Because oh, yeah. sometimes I'm in the kitchen and I'm trying to cook something yeah. and I notice he's quiet and I look and I'm like, fine. I didn't tell your dad to buy that anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, like breaks. sometimes you just got to give, I just need to make this dinner. So go ahead, go ahead, sweetie. Yeah. Just be gentle. But yeah, he, um, it's not helpful. It's always getting caught do on you have stuff. have a dog? Like, we do. That's why we got it. I was going to say, that's why we don't have a dog anymore, but that's why I, it was ideal for the dog mm-hmm. hair. Yeah, for yeah. the dog hair. We just recently pulled up the carpet upstairs because my oldest is getting allergy stuff. And oh, no. it's not, it doesn't make it like I've, I've never liked carpet, but when you have a, um, we have oh, a short yeah. hair doll. It's just like, yeah. it's the, it's the perfect storm because yeah. you're never going to get it all up. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get it all up. So we had to rip it up. And carpet is, so, it, I mean, it's so gross. If you think It's about. so, I tell my husband, oh my gosh. Like, and it's just like, I'm like, carpet is disgusting. You can't get it all out. You ever. can't, you can't so. get it all out and we're inhaling it. And he's just uh-huh. like, you're overreacting. And I'm like, I, it could be both. I could be overreacting and I'm right. Like, I always say this. He's like, <laughs> sometimes he's like, you're being dramatic. It could be both. I'm being dramatic and I'm right. Which is typically is because I'm a it's dramatic true. person. But like. It's disgusting. I, I can't it. go down the rabbit hole though because then I'm going to be spending thousands of dollars on like air purifiers in every room in my house and like I'm like all or nothing I feel like. So then I just try to like block it all out. I get that. I, I very much – I use the little Bissell thing and I'll clean the little area rugs and stuff like uh-huh. that. And then I'll also be like, you know, you need some kind of antibodies. Yeah. But certain things just like – I mean, Is, if I could, um, I would just wrap the boys in plastic because oh, – uh, so gross um is the the two things can be true at one time is that like the most like used psychology phrase in 2023 I feel like that is like and it is so true but like it is is so yeah and I love it because I I think it's it's helpful for people to realize that one feeling doesn't invalidate the other and I think there there's always these thought processes that you can only be one thing and that's not true right like you can have a relationship or you can have a conflict or shoot, you can have a breakup and you can be happy about like what that means for your well-being. And you could be sad about the fact that you want to go to the movies mm-hmm. with this person who wasn't necessarily the best for you. And mm-hmm. I feel like the either or thing, like the black or white thinking is also like a thinking trap, a cognitive distortion that kind of just, and when you think of these things, there's like black or white thinking, there's mind reading, there's catastrophizing. The whole job is to make you feel poorly. It's just like a vicious cycle. It's like I tell my patients, don't should all over yourself. Oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. And I'm like, you know, no one wants to see you should all over yourself. Mm-hmm. Like it's gross. So don't. But like it, it, the whole purpose is kind of just to make you feel worse about yourself. And the black or white thinking is that. Like it's like, oh, I'm either, I'm either amazing or I suck. What? That seems excessive. Mm. 
like that's unreasonable or that seems excessive or probably like the two biggest things I say all the time. Like, oh, that seems excessive. Like, or that escalated. I'll be like, oh, that escalated quickly. Okay. <laughs> like, all right. Okay. Well, let's, let's break it down. But like a lot of us are doing these things where we're um, going in these cycles in our brains and we don't even realize we're doing it. And all it does is make you feel crappy, mm-hmm. you know? And I see it a lot with when it comes to parents too, like, especially with, it's amazing that we have all this education, but I'm watching this documentary on Netflix. And now I told my husband, like, no more processed meat. He he mm. might leave me. Um, yep. But like, you know, like, and I tried to do, I tried to do this like years ago and it was a firm no, but now I'm like very much on it. Like, okay, we can't do that. But then there's also the fact of like, what are we going to, when are we going to stop? Right? Yeah. Like parenting, like you're responsible. Like for me, okay, I eat the bacon if I eat it. But like, it's weird to, the biggest thing I realized is like stuff that was good enough for me, I've decided is not good enough for my children. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's just like, cause you're responsible. They only have access to what you give them. Yeah, They only yeah. eat what you give them and all that. So it's like, so if we don't take them out, they don't get to have this experience. If we don't travel, it, they don't get to have it. If they are uh, eating like crap, it's because we gave it to them. You know, like we're not, they're not getting, they're not going, getting in their car and ordering a number seven at McDonald's or something. It's like, that's what we're bringing home. And it's a big stressor. So I always say with parents, it's like, you know, you know, help yourself out, but also be, be, be reasonable because there, there's so much, there's so much stuff that can make us feel poorly. Um, think about the stuff that shows you that your children are also amazing. Like, are they good at critical thinking? Are they comfortable having conversations with you? Are they comfortable having conversations with others? It's just like, yeah, don't only think about like, oh, I should have gotten rid of bacon years ago. Think about like my, my child is a, a great, fully functioning person who respects others. And maybe they occasionally like lick the floor. I don't know. But like, you know, it's like, you know, also be when you're thinking about all the stuff you need to do. Also, like take the time to look at your children and be like, "Look at how awesome you are at that!" Like that's that that's amazing. It's so easy to make us feel bad because there's so much that goes into parenting. Like, oh my gosh, so like, many. It's, just, it's the decision it's, fatigue. It's so many decisions. Like I and I explaining that to my husband and just being like, "Hey, don't ask me if the food is too hot, okay? I, I can't do it. All right, like open it up, let the steam go out. They eat cold food all day." So like, yeah. if it's too cold, it's fine. Oh, don't yeah. ask me this. Cause now I have to walk. Don't, uh-uh. it's too much. No, I know. I saw something that's like, someone's childhood is in your hands. And I'm like, wow, that's really beautiful. And also really terrifying. It's terrifying <laughs> because it's just like the only way you get something is if I gave it to you, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And you know, we're still growing up as people, you know, like I, I'm not, a, I'm a grown up technically, like I'm married with kids, but I still, there's still stuff I want to do and stuff and people like a person I want to be. So it's just like, you're rearing your children and yourself and you, it's easy to get lost in that. Um, And I feel like when I was having, when I was first having my, when I had my oldest, no, I think it was more so when I had my second, I was like, Oh, I cannot lose myself in this because there's still stuff I want to do. And I, I would say that's something that's, I don't know. I think it can be different for difficult for a lot of moms because yeah, it takes so much of us that we forget that our children will always benefit from us having hobbies and tasks outside of them. Yes. They need to see them not being a priority for us all the time. Like sometimes I don't want to hug and it's just like, I'm touched out. Mama will give you a hug later. You don't just get to force yourself on people or mama's going out with her friends. Oh, I want you to stay home. Oh, well, I want to go hang out with my friends. So I'm going to go hang out. Like they have to see 
you have other relationships with people like they, you know, having a children think that you're there, your whole world. Oh my gosh. The responsibility of that. Also like it's unhealthy because they're never going to be someone's whole world. Like this is, they'll, they'll get into relationships and be like, you're not going to stop everything for me. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, and we, we've all met that out. guy. Yeah. And then they're going to move out and you're going to be like, now what? Yes, exactly. <laughs> because it's a, it's a huge part of our life. And what happens after? What happens after, you know, like when you're still growing, like we're still living our lives and stuff like that. So they need to see them. I always say children need to see themselves not being a priority for you all the time yeah. because they also need to have a basis to know if they become parents or if they have partners and stuff that anyone that doesn't respect their need to have privacy or doesn't respect their other relationships doesn't respect them. And that's basically, mm-hmm. that's basically what we're doing as parent. We're, we're modeling what's going to be like their standard. Like, oh, I used to see my mom go on trips all the time and she didn't always go on trips with my dad. So like Mm -hmm. for you to think that I can only have relationships or only hang out with you, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like, that's when I talk to parents about like, I'm like, it's when you think like, how do people get used to such terrible scenarios? That was their normal. Mm -hmm. My goal is to make their normal to be like, oh yeah, my mom, if she didn't want to do something, she told me no. Yep. So if yeah. I don't want to do something, I'm going to tell you no. Because if my mom can tell me no, I can tell you no. Like, I just want your normal to be respectful and healthy. Um, note to self, schedule a girl's trip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. When I was growing up, one of the reasons why I couldn't wait to, like, have my group of friends that are girls is because my mom and her friends would do so much fun stuff. Aww. They would do like little ski trips and bowling parties and they would like dress up and go to like these little films and stuff. And I used to just be like, Oh my, I can't wait until like I get to do, like I grew up watching her now with my dad. I, I think, our, I think his friends would come over with barbecues. Like I think my dad has a solid, like two friends, like typical guy stuff. But my mom, they used to do so much fun stuff. And I remember thinking like, when I get older, I'm going to have my girlfriends and we're going to do stuff just like that. Cause I grew up watching them do the coolest stuff. I was never invited, but like, you know, like it always just looks so cool. And I'm like, that's what being a grown up is about. Like you get to like do fun stuff with your girlfriends. And it's just like, yeah, that honestly kind of is right. Like you get to just be like my son all the time when I leave, he's like, Oh, I want you to stay home. And I'm like, well, I want to go hang out with my friends Mm. and you hang out with your friends at school. And I hang out with my friends outside. All right, friends, listen up. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I focus on lifting weights because I know that is so important for staying strong and healthy as I age. And, you know, I recently turned 40, so it's been on my mind quite a bit. Pairing my lifting, which I do three times a week on a good week, two times on a not so great week. Okay, one time on a not so great week. Um, My goal is three though every week. Um, I pair that with running and also I've been taking the Prevenex Muscle Health, which is a clinically effective dose of creatine monohydrate that helps repair and decreases muscle breakdown. It increases lean muscle mass. It boosts protein synthesis and enhances strength. I am taking this every day and I've seen a massive difference in how I feel when I'm recovering from heavy lifting, even big runs. Prevenex is the place to go for all of your supplements and vitamins for yourself. They also have great kids vitamins as well that are not filled with all kinds of icky fillers and sugars or fake stuff, like really good quality. Uh, My kids take those. And also one thing you got to know is Prevenex donates a bottle of 
vitamins to malnourished kids around the world for every bottle you purchase. So that's a really great give back program they have. I personally know the founder and the owner of the brand and really believe they are trying to create and promote health and wellness around the world. And I believe in the products they're using. They're third party tested and they are putting the highest quality ingredients in their products. So if you're into lifting weights, if you're not into lifting weights, if you're into helping your muscles from breaking down and keeping them strong and resilient as we age, you know, as you age every decade, you lose, I think it's like 3% of muscle mass. And so the way we can prevent that is by taking care of our muscles, lifting heavy weights, and also putting creatine into our bodies. So go to Prevenex.com, use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, strength. That'll get you 15% off your order at Prevenex as long as you have that muscle health in your cart. Now, if you don't want the muscle health and you want to try their multivitamins or their joint health or kids vitamins, you can just use the code another and that will get you 15% off as well. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, okay. Have you read the book, The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr? I have not. I feel like you would like it just based on what you said about religion and like... Mm-hmm your views on it. It's, it reminds me, I read that book a couple years ago and it, you know, I feel like I've been unpacking what I believe in religion for the past like seven years and I still don't know, but, Mm -hmm. um, that writing really reminds me of what you were talking about. And it's tough because a lot of us just do like there, we're in the religion that our parents are in. Totally. And then when you get older, sometimes a lot of times people are like, I do not believe in like this aspect or people build relationships with people and it's individuals that if they took them to their church, they wouldn't be welcoming for them. Mm. And it's just like, how do I feel about an environment being unwelcoming to someone I love? You know, like is that, and I, I find that a lot of times people challenge or start challenging their thought processes with religion or spirituality um, based off of relationships a lot. Like, Mm. Um, you wouldn't be welcome in this environment. And like, how do I feel about supporting an environment that you wouldn't be welcome in? Mm-hmm. Or like, or they just never thought about it. Cause it's just like, I've been, I've, I go to church, my aunt goes to church, my grandma goes to church. Like, it's just what it is. Um, I think a lot of people grew up in very welcoming churches where that wasn't the thought process. But I remember when I first moved down here and I was going from church to church to church, um, trying to find one. Um, I remember so walking hard. out mid sermon because they said something super inappropriate in my opinion. And I was like, oh, I'm out. Like, I'm not about to spend another hour and a half a year. It was just like very much like, and I was going to a different church every Sunday. And That's I said, so they, they said, because like what, you know, being one of the aspects of church is the community. But if you're in a congregation, it doesn't have a problem with what the person like at the top of your church is saying. Yeah. That's not people I want to be around. Yeah. And no one seemed stunned. And I was like, oh, okay, this is normal to you. I left. Uh-huh. I was like, oh my God, no, I'm not about to. That was like a really degrading statement towards an yeah. entire group of people. Uh, oh my God. I think um, personally, I've been trying to find like an LGBTQ affirming church. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in the South and it is <laughs> very difficult to find that. Yeah. The one church I found that there's two that I found that are. Um, and one's just like a little more traditional. Mm-hmm than I prefer and the others like 
I don't know, almost the opposite of that. And I'm like, why can't I just find a middle ground? But, uh, you know, there's no church that's going to be exactly what you want it to be. But like you said, if you're not, if the person at the very top is preaching things that like just you don't believe is okay, you got to go. You got to go because like that means everyone in that environment is okay with it. And I just can't. Or they're okay with just letting it slide. Mm -hmm. And I I just like, mm mm-mm. I can't do it because not only is it like about the the services, it's also about community. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to bring your children to that environment. You are going to, that's when, you know, anytime um, my mom would come into town, she would be like, um, you know, let's, of course we're going to church. She was the first one to notice that like, she was like, Hey, we used to uh, go to church on Sundays when I visited. And I'm like, yeah, listen, <laughs> I'm just trying to survive. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. But it's like, it's a community. That's one of the best things about church is like, you know, the, you know, the potlucks and the Mm -hmm. conversations Mm -hmm. and the just rearing your family and people around people that have the same thought processes as you. So if it's something that's like negative, I don't want to, you know, a lot of times we think about food and like medicine and stuff like that. I talk to my patients, like the things that you ingest, you also need to think about the people around you Mm -hmm. because you need to think about the messages that you're ingesting. Um, And when we've had conversations about when I've had to work with patients about um, just like inherent um, internalized or injected internalized like thought processes of oppression and stuff like that. A lot of times I have to do like a media cleanse with them just to be like, well, how many times are you ingesting books or films or music that degrades people that look like you? Mm. You don't think it's possible that those negative messages are kind of coming in your brain and now you're having automatic negative thoughts about people that look like you, you know, like, so it's always important where I'm just like, you know, think about where the messaging came from. Right. Like if you have an automatic thought that like, I don't know, like with black people, like if there's a concern of thinking you're not professional enough, where did that come from? Mm. Like what, where, where do thought processes like that come from that make you think that you're not good enough or you need to be trying harder or that someone thinks you don't belong here? Like you also have to think about what we're talking about, like you are what you eat and what you take in. I always talk about messaging too. And like the people that are around you, the films, the books, the movies, because not all of you know everything is kind of propaganda right Mm -hmm. like there's a reason why for the longest they wouldn't even show a woman at work on tv because they didn't want them to think that we actually could work or go to school like the messaging gosh if they feel as though they can be what they see we can't show them thinking how Mm -hmm. dare you know like it's it's a whole thing so yeah that and they're right right like you feel like you feel like it's hard to be what you don't see um so when we didn't see ourselves in appropriate roles that was intentional Yeah. The first time my grandma saw my husband, like, take my son on his own to, like, go pick up the pizza when there were, like, you know, a dozen women standing around, like, she couldn't Mm -hmm. even fathom, like, a man. Like, why we're putting him on him? Like, he's going to be the one to take the child? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so ingrained in your brain that, like, this is just, like, the women just take care of the kids. Which is insane. My husband, he said, this was like a month ago, he he had the boys and they went to, they were at the grocery store. And he said some man stopped him and said. praised, wasn't he? Yeah. No, no, he didn't even get praised this time. This man said, wow, babysitting and doing the, doing the chores. It's a new age. And my husband was like, these are my, these are my kids. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't babysitting. This I was is just like, and we're in Nashville. But I was just like. Get the heck. Let me tell you something. This is a part. This is my partner. I'm not. Yeah, why 100%. would I? Why would I 
be the only person doing stuff. That sounds crazy. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, when people I say know. that stuff and they'll be like, um, like, sometimes there'll be this joke around women and they'll be like, oh, you know, I have three kids, four if you count my husband. And I'm just mm. like, honey, Mm-mm. that tells no. me more about you than you know, because yeah. my husband is not my child, honey. I <laughs> no. am not... I am not signing off on that, sweetie. No. I'm not laughing at that. Do you need help? Do you need help? Because like that is not that is not my testimonies. No, well, there are we times joke about it. Yeah. we joke about it, but some of them are serious. They're they're yeah. they're calling out for help. Like yeah. I travel for work. It, it used to be like twice a month, and when I come back, I have to check in with my husband to be like, hey. Um, do they still eat this? And he's like, no, they don't eat that. You got to switch to this. And right? they people people will literally be like, well, um, how does your husband do at home with his with his kids? I'm assuming great. I don't really call I mean, that much, you know, they like as they're with their dad. And anytime yeah. I call, he says I just ruin the mood because like those, where's mommy? And they'll start uh-huh. crying, like you know. But I don't yeah. even call because it's like, I mean, they're with their dad. Who else is going to protect them as much as me? Their dad. I don't even call. I know. I know it's women crazy. who leave like notes for their husband. I'm like, what? Like, I, I, I cook. I will cook a bunch of stuff because like, honestly. Just be a nice partner, right? Yeah, because like having to cook, like cooking is one of the most difficult things to do when the boys are like hanging off at you. And it's one oh, of the things the where worst. like if he's cooking, I'm managing them. Yeah. And if I'm cooking, like, cause so we typically like whoever's not cooking is yeah. playing with the kids. So I'm always just like, I don't know how you would cook a meal that I want them to eat. Okay. Last topic, racism. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. What do we yeah. do? We'll talk about it. I, I always feel like when Audre Lorde said differences are differences are meant to create dialogue. But I think one of the biggest issues is that people don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always say, well, talking about racism is way less uncomfortable than experiencing it. Um, I always state that like we don't get to choose not to in- engage in things that conversations that can contribute to a better society and a better environment for people that don't look like you because it makes you uncomfortable. And I would also state, identify what part makes you uncomfortable, right? Because a lot of times it's kind of like what I mentioned, people never think about the fact that they don't have to think about certain things Mm -hmm. and seeing that as like a privilege in some aspect of it. Some people feel bad about that. It's like, well, I've never had to worry about um, being judged off of anything other than like my values and who I am. And it's just like, I think that's great. Can you also acknowledge that other people don't have that same thing? And sometimes it makes them feel bad, but it's just like, well, if you feel bad that other people are being judged in a way that you think is unfair, they kind of work towards making it so that people aren't judged that way. But I think a lot of people are shocked when they sit down and think about it at how insulated they are Mm -hmm. with not having to think about these issues, not reading about these issues because they never touch them because nothing in their realm has to deal with that, right? Like if you're in a realm where everyone, and it's actually pretty typical or used to be, where most people look like you yeah, and you're not black, you never actually had to think about it. Um, and a lot of times, you know what brings it up? People who have children um, and they have children and children are playing and then they're in the play group. And then one parent notices that another parent is treating a different child wrong. And they're like, um, that's my child's best friend. What the freak is wrong with, you, you know, like, it's just like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Like, why would you treat anyone like that? And it's just like, oh, wow, you're racist. And I never had to think about that until my best friend brought that, my child brought their best friend home. You know, like a lot of times it's new relationships that like bring this into you where it's just like, yeah, um, I didn't have to think about this, but I didn't realize until I brought a certain person around that this person is actually really racist. And I never had to think about it because they're not racist towards me because I'm not an ethnicity. It's like, it's not, if you keep yourself in the same realm, you may not realize it 
that some people are like sucky towards yeah. other people. Like the whole scenario of the play group, that was like a real thing that happened to one of my patients wow. and just being like, and she was like, I don't, it was just really weird. And she said, I just kept getting this ick. And then I realized, I think she's racist. Cause it was just like, why do you keep watching her when she's doing stuff? And like, what are these? And she never had to deal like with it. Cause she's not black. Watching the little kid. Watching the little kid. Um, and she didn't have to deal with it because she's not black. And she was just like, it was just really weird. Yeah. And I, she's like, I can't explain it. And in my head, I'm like, I, I can. But let me see if you can. So like, what's the concern? She's like, she yeah. just kept watching her. And then she would just make these little comments about like, you know, not playing with it for too long. And she would just be really weird around the little girl. And it was just, and she never acts like this with other kids. And I said, oh, yeah. is there any difference between her and the other kids? She was like, Yes. But it can't be that. I'm like, yeah. okay, what do you think it is? And uh-huh. she said, I think it's that. And it's yeah. just like, it's someone she's really close with. And it's like, man. But it wasn't just the fact that she was close with her. It was also like, she went through this whole process. It's like, am I in an, is there something about me that makes people who are racist think it's okay to be around me? Because there's also the aspect of like, which I'm like, I don't know. You like know, I can't, like, let's have out. a, yeah, let's have a conversation. Like, but there's a reason why, you know, somebody in the KKK doesn't go to a Black Lives Matter rally and start, right. you know, because you know that that's not safe here, right? There's yeah. also a reason why some people think certain things are safe with other people, but that doesn't always mean that you're blatantly engaging in certain behaviors. That could also mean that you've never done anything to the opposite of that, right? Like you've never, you don't really have much diversity in the things that you guys talk about. It could also be the fact that like you guys are really good friends, but you've never had to have this conversation. Um, so I think it makes people uncomfortable because you really have to realize how insulated you are You also have to acknowledge the fact that racism sucks and it's unfair. But I also think there's this realm of like the whole aspect of privilege and not acknowledging the fact that like, yes, you can acknowledge the fact that you've benefited from this huge aspect of privilege and then also acknowledge that that's not right. And it doesn't make you a bad person. It's just the way stuff is, right? Like I can acknowledge the fact that I say I was always brought up in this world thinking that like cheese goes in grits, right? Like say I was always like the only way I've ever had grits. And anytime you talk about grits, it's with cheese. And then you realize that like, oh, you can also have like sugar and grits and me being detrimental towards people who have sugar and grits is like a very big aspect of programming. And it's just like, I can acknowledge how I was brought off was wrong. Mm. And it doesn't make me a bad person. This is what's around me. So I think people automatically think that like talking about racism will make them seem as though they're racist. And a lot of people, of course, don't want to get stuff wrong. And it's easy yeah. to get stuff wrong when you don't yeah. take the time to educate yourself. So I yeah. think there's also this fear of being like, I don't want to talk about this because I don't know as much about it. And I always say the same thing I say to my son. It's just like, um, he always says, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, so you know what I do when I don't know? And now he always says the response. I said, you know what I do when I don't know? He said, you ask. I ask. So did you have a question? You know, like, you know, so it's just like, I don't want to be wrong. But it's like, it's, it's incredibly less likely that you'll be wrong if you educate yourself. And there's also the realm of like not wanting to educate yourself because stuff sucks and realizing that people walk around all day dealing with a sucky thing is uncomfortable. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah. And you don't get to just not talk about it. You know, like you don't get to just the fact that the fact that you even have the privilege to opt in or out of of, of a discussion of something that I experience. Mm-hmm. Come on. Like I saw this thing about, oh, um, uh, I'm so sick of um, talking about this. And it's just like, imagine how sick we are experiencing it. Living it. That's an odd, that's an odd, that's an odd take. I'm embarrassed yeah. for you. Yeah. You know, like, I, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on talking to, 
I know this is like a big question too, and we're kind of running out of time, but like mm-hmm. just talking to our kids about it because yeah. sometimes I feel like these conversations flow a little bit more naturally between kids, like kid on kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But how would you, our kids are being educated in school a little bit. Mm-hmm on the playground and by their teachers. Like yeah. sometimes my kids comes, come home saying things and I'm like, where did you hear that? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's usually up here on the playground. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious, like your thoughts on how we talk to our kids about racism. I always say my children are young enough to experience racism. So I always feel like children are also, there's no such thing as being too young to talk about it. I also say there's this misconception that like it's a one-time conversation, but it's a conversation that you have over time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I talk about it with children um, about like fairness and judgment um, and misconceptions and like just non-truths, right? Um, When I was talking to, I had to talk to a patient about complicity or whatever, being complicit with things. Um, It was the most interesting conversation because- she was asking, she had heard the word, kids come into session with like the most random stuff. She had heard the word ACAB. All, all cops are bad. Okay. Okay. So she was just like, and you know, it's a safe space. So if they're going to ask anyone a question, it's their therapist. And when she said that, I was like, what? Where did you, I was like, we're talking about, we're talking about anxiety. Where did you hear that? Mm. Um, she said, yeah, I heard it on TV. What does it mean? And I said, yeah, it's a kid. And I was just like, oh my God, like this was not on my session. Also like what, you know, like, it's just like kids are amazing, but they're also like the way they stretch your brain. Cause I'm just like, this isn't on the session for today. We're doing it. And we're doing an exercise on verbalizing your anxiety. Why we're coloring. Why are we talking about this? So I'm just like, okay. So we talked about complicitness. I was like, some people feel as though, if you're around something that's bad and you don't say anything, then you're just as bad. I was like, that's kind of, I was like, that's what people who, that's what some people are thinking when they say this. I said, but also be sure to ask your mom when you leave session, please. Like I said, but but we, but I kind of like pivoted it to a conversation about, oh, you know, some people feel as though if you are around bad stuff and you don't say anything, then you're just as bad as the person who did the bad thing. Mm-hmm. I said, so maybe that's what people are saying with that. Mm-hmm. She was like, cause, cause she was just like, yeah. Cause you said that all, I always say like, you're never all or never something. Uh, yeah. So she was like, so how can it be all? And uh-huh. I was like, well, yeah, that's, the, that's what I'm saying. She's like, cause that's, that's, a, um, that's, a, um, and I was like, it's a thinking trap. Yeah. It's a thinking trap. Right. Cause I always say you're never all or never anything. It's not, that's a, you know, that's not, yeah that's how we get into this bad scenario she's like so you said you said you can never be all anything I was like you're right you can't Uh you can't like that's not a thing I said but some people feel feel as though if you're in a bad environment and you're not doing anything then you're just as bad she said oh but also with kids it's so amazing because she was just like and just went back to the thing she really just wanted to know what it was and she was done and I was like Mm -hmm. now mind you I'm just like I think I gotta talk to my supervisor about this because I don't um (laughs) like (laughs) Now I got to add extra five minutes to your, your parent session and just be like, Hey, also, I don't know what you guys are watching. Um, but she asked me what ACAB meant. Um, so I just, maybe just watch what she's watching. Uh, Or she could have heard it at school. Or she could have heard it at school, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's the things that the kids say at school. And also like, um. If kids have older siblings. And if like, kids have older siblings, I mean, especially like the teenage rage against the machine ones. But that's what we always say. I'm like, I don't know, but just double check because, you yeah. know, they know passcodes to everything. But I was just like, where? 
you know, and so many times when kids say stuff, you get bogged down with like, where did you hear that? Instead of just being like, okay, okay, okay. I worry about where you heard it later. Let me just, as an adult, also like make sure that you're not out here saying just absurd stuff. But yeah. yeah. So um, when I talk to children about racism or injustices, or I also talk about being complicit with things, I also mm-hmm. talk, I talk about fairness. Um, yeah. And I'll do do it with something as simple as like, say, say you um, had red hair, right? I typically do it with hair color. Say somebody okay. grew up with red hair and they decided that um, the person who has red hair is better than someone who grew up with black hair. And that's just the way their hair comes out of their head. And um, and because they can't have red hair, they're able to like get the best snacks. They're able to travel. They're able to do all that. And they're like, well, I said, what, what does that sound like? And they'd be like, that's unfair. And it's also perfect with kids because they're very big on saying what is fair and what is unfair, mm, oh, right? Yeah. Um, so um, when I have like some of the smarter kids, they will be like, well, why don't they just dye their hair? And I'm like, that's not the point. But listen, <laughs> that's not the point. Um, but I'm just like, what, you know, it's unfair, right? And they're like, yes. And I was like, that's how some people feel about skin color. Okay. They feel as though certain people who have certain skin color don't deserve certain things. And they also think that they're not as smart or they're um, not as kind or not as clean or they, you know, don't believe in these things. And then the next question is like, oh, where does that come from? Like, where do people get that from? And then you have like a brief conversation about, well, like at a certain time, there are people who look like me who um, were enslaved and we weren't able to um, do anything for ourselves. We were also harmed. We were also treated poorly and we weren't able to do things. And the way that they were able to continue to keep that going is to spread all these negative messaging, right? So people never really challenged it, right? So they would say that we deserve to do this because we weren't smart or we didn't have good um, hygiene practices or stuff like that. So like they made it a point to spread all of this negative messaging so that nobody questioned the fact that we were being treated poorly, right? Um, So just that's where it comes from. And that's why sometimes, you know, some messaging stays around for a while. And if they have more questions, I'll answer it. Um, but I really just do it based off of that. Like, you know, well, because the biggest question is children will ask, like, well, why? Like, why do people? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, because that was the messaging. And the messaging was a way to keep us in, treated poorly, right? Like, if you keep thinking that someone is bad, if I told you someone was bad, would you go up to that person? Like, what do you do? You stay away from it, right? So, like, if you kept having this messaging, you're going to stay away from it. So I kind of talk about it that way. And then I'll say the thing about messages is though, they stay around for a really long time, even when you try to get rid of them, right? Um, it's kind of like when they're older, um, one of one of my patients, the, the, the biggest thing was the mom would say like, oh, they broke my trust or whatever. And I was just like, you know how it's harder to build that, right? Well, that's kind of what we're thinking about when like when you break a rule and, and trust is severed, it takes, it takes longer to build it back up. So those messages were here. And, uh, and residue or inklings from those messages are still there because people tell people things and family tells people things and a lot of people don't challenge it. So I just have pretty basic conversations like that. And they get more complicated over time. Um, one of the biggest things I mention, I always make sure to mention is like it's unfair. Um, I always mention that it's based off of like lies and un, you know untruths and stuff like that so that there's no fear, right? Because mm-hmm. if you have this aspect of messaging of like these people are mean or they'll have morals and stuff like that, you wonder where they come from. And it's like, oh, they came from lies. And that's just how you sustain it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. no one's going to challenge it if a lot of people are saying the same negative thing. Um, but I always mention the fact that racism is the issue, not race is the issue, because I don't want people to mm-hmm. think that it's something wrong with those actual individuals. Racism is different than race, right? Yeah. Like, um, so I always drive home those three things. Racism is the issue, not race. Um, 
it's about being unjust and unfair and people having less opportunities. And it's based off of um, uh, lies and those things have kind of like stuck around over time. Mm. Um, but they always get the fairness thing because like if it's uh-huh. one thing a child will tell you. Yes. That is not fair. I didn't get that cookie. Why would they get that? And that's the and it's it's pretty simple because once I have that conversation, like, do you think it's fair that they would get all the cookies? No. Yeah. Why do yeah. they get that? Uh, well, what? Why? Who said? Who said? And I'm just like, the so fairness. The fairness, oh and that's that's basically what it is, right? They get people get different opportunities, yeah. and yeah. Um, different access to things, and get treated differently. And at the end of the day, it's unfair, mm-hmm. and it's not based off of any truths. Um, yeah. And children. Children can basically, they they pretty much get that. I mean, I've had to explain it to kids as young as, I would say, six, okay. um, having conversation. But it's not, I, I genuinely, I find that parents stray away from conversations that make them uncomfortable. Oh, also, yeah. conversations that they don't really, sometimes they feel like they don't have the right to discuss it. Mm. But this is the world that we live in. And once again, like, if you feel like you can't talk about it, it's because you're not educating yourself. Yeah. Um, so think about, like. The same way when we decided to have children that we read or looked at every single, you know, everything when it comes to processed meats and like, oh, is this the best wearable blanket? And what's the difference between am I doing like the what was the thing? The the swaddle. Am I doing the like the stuff that I researched? Yeah. When I was pregnant, my <laughs> goodness, like, oh, do I steam the do I steam the veggies or do I if I boil them, do they lose nutrients? Like it was uh-huh. absurd. <laughs> Think about that as well. Like I didn't yeah. know. So I asked and I educated yeah. myself. And we live in an information age. So at this point in time, with adults, anyone who doesn't take the time to who doesn't know about it, that's a choice. Yeah. Because we can find answers to everything. Yeah. Um, so it's a choice. And you have to think about, well, why did I choose not to learn about this? And sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. But you also don't want your children to walk through this realm being like that, being that person who doesn't respect differences in people or and say, like, I don't notice, like, the whole colorblind. And the whole uh-huh. thing about being colorblind is, like, color isn't the issue. If you say you don't see color, you don't see me. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that tells me more than you think. Um, but you don't want children to walk through this world thinking that differences are inherently bad, yeah. right? Like some people, some people, I don't know, like, I don't know, what is it? Barbecue pizza. Some people like cheese, you know, that doesn't mean that they're a bad person. And I think sometimes when we have this conversation, I think this is what was difficult for my patient. Um, when we're talking about differences, it's like, yes, I can have differences with my friends in terms of I like ice cream and they don't. I cannot have differences with my friend and they feel as though that one person is deserving of respect and someone isn't. Like right. that's not the same thing as ice cream toppings, right? So it's this whole thing of like, am I complicit in this? How did this never come up? And even having to acknowledge like, why did this never come up? And have to think like, well, why do you think it didn't come up? Like, you know, it's not my job to tell you. What do you think? Was there a fear with discussing it? It is kind of odd to be at our age, she was older and have never taking the time to educate yourself or study narratives of people who didn't look like you. Mm. Um, and it's also a privilege because I wouldn't, yeah. you need, I need to know European American history to graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. Like that's a requirement. It's embedded in the U S education system that I have to know the history of people that don't look like me to graduate. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, ask yourself why you never made a choice to do it. Um, yeah. But I think it makes people uncomfortable, but I, get over it. Yeah. Like get over it. It makes you a better person. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a do you have like a resource you recommend for that for parents with their kids? Um, so I have this book where 
there's a book, well, specifically with, um, I would say, I, I honestly don't think this is only for black youth, but there's a book called Raising Confident Black Kids. Okay. Um, and it breaks down conversations to have age by age by age. Okay. Um, and I feel like that's incredibly helpful. I also feel as though, honestly, most of the time it's exposing your children to different stuff. Yeah. Like one of the things is also like, you know, my child, my child, of course, because I have to make a, I have to make a greater effort to make sure there's stuff in our house that look like the boys because most mm, of the stuff in school course, doesn't. Yeah. Um, but I also make it a point that like every, it doesn't, everything doesn't just look like him. Like it's not all boy stuff and it's not all, you know, like, so it's, it's the same way you try to vary things doing it the same way. Um, but I actually really like that. I'm looking at it right now, but I actually really like that book because it breaks things down point by point by point. And I think it would also be helpful to understand how people are educating, have to take the extra step to educate their children and stuff like that. But it's also just about representation, Mm -hmm. um, um, as well. Like, you know, how many times are you going to events where everyone looks like you, uh, versus like, are you showing your children different thought processes? Are they able to read books where the protagonist is always, it's even just like with the boys, I try to make sure that like, it's not only with my boys, it's not only like the man is the hero and everything. Cause that grinds my gears. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the same way, right? Like with having boys, one of the things that I've always been very big on is like, they're going to understand like to respect people's no and accountability. That's always like a thing in yeah. my mind. Cause I'm raising boys. Um, yeah. Uh, so I also like try to make it so that's just like the boy is saving everyone. I even like sometimes when I can't fix something, I'll ask Brandon to fix it, my husband. But and this is just flat out lying. I'll be like, but don't tell them you fix it. Like hand it to me because yeah. anytime, <laughs> anytime something gets fixed, I notice that they would take it to Brandon. Of course. And yeah. I would just be like, I don't yeah, want that. So same. I'll even I'll even he plays along. I appreciate it because he knows I'm insane. Sometimes I'll just be like, yeah, but like mom can fix it too. Mom can fix it too. And I'll hand it to him. I don't know what the freak I'm doing. Um, but like he he'll still play along, like, yeah. okay, Raquel, I don't think this is a thing. You don't know. You're a man. You do not know. But every yeah. time something's broken, they give it to him. And I'm like, I can fix this. And then I'll look uh-huh. at it and I'll be like, what the heck is this? You know, like what in the world? Like, so messaging the same thing when it comes to respecting. Cause at the end of the day, it's about respecting differences. Yes. Um, so as long as you're in an environment that talks about respecting differences and showing different views, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to like racism, it's not even just racism, it's sexism. It's, you know, there's so many phobias out there. And at the end of the day, the basis is lack of respect. Mm. and that's what you want to teach your children it's just like and not not tolerating things not respecting tolerating. them and knowing that like di- you know diversity is one of the things that brings that like elevates an environment right like imagine how much i mean think about like you know how the world was when women weren't allowed in the workforce i mean look at how how the country went to trash you know you need a diversity of thought like you need mm-hmm. men and you need women and you need individuals who don't identify because our, our our experiences and our expertise are shaped by the way the world treats us. So you can have a man come into a scenario and see this solution. You can have a woman, you can have someone who doesn't identify as a man or woman and see it as another solution. And now instead of having one solution, you have three, yeah. three totally different solutions or thought processes, just because your thought process is going to be different given the way the world engages with you every environment is better due to diversity, Mm -hmm. right? Like it elevates the realm because I'm going to see stuff way differently than my husband does and often do. I also often also see stuff differently than my children do. And sometimes 
they 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 got it right honestly like sometimes their simplified method i'll just be like hmm why don't i do it that way why i don't am I know this? yeah i don't know let's do it that way you know and it's just like every every environment is better for diversity mm-hmm. in it because it's just a different thought process yeah all right i guess we got to wrap i got to pick my kid up from my my youngest my last one not in not in school um, from preschool, what I'm going to do a couple quick wrap up questions. Mm-hmm. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, professionally, I want to do a show, like a radio show. Okay. Love it. Um, personally, I really want to take a, I want to go to color cook, a cooking class. Um, but like a real one and they don't really, um, have them. They only have like the couples like cooking classes. School, like a- I want to go to, okay. So I kind of wanted to do the school process. Like all the classes I see are, are like the couples classes. And I'm like, uh-huh. no, I want to do a whole course on breads and, okay. and cutting and potatoes. Oh, um, nice. so yeah, but I would love to have like a show, but not like a talk show. I don't know what kind of show I would want, but not like a talk show because I don't know. Like, honestly, I just want to bring back my podcast because I like the podcast. I can never, the talk show thing. And I feel like I can't, I can, it'd be difficult to do a show and record Yeah, the way my life is. That's why I always think like, people are like, what about a talk show? And I'm like, do you know how much? The logistics. The logistics of a talk show. Like it's so, like podcasting is way easier. So honestly, yeah. you know what? That's not something I'd want to do because I'm bringing back my podcast. You're doing the podcast. I'm doing the podcast. Um... Oh, you know what? Professionally, I want to do a college uh, commencement speech. Oh, love I've never that. Done that. Oh, that's good. I love it. I watched your TED Talk. Oh, thank think. you. Yeah. yeah, I want to do a college commencement speech. But yeah, and uh, everything I was describing was a podcast. Yeah. I'm doing that. Yeah, you're doing Insane. it. You're doing yeah. it. Okay, college commencement. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, What's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, it's a reread. I got to, okay. So there's one book that will always be the best book ever written in life to me. Um, and it's, I always say the name wrong, which is crazy because I have three copies. At this point. It's, <laughs> it's like black, um, black writers, women writers at work. Yes. Okay. Black women writers at work by Claudia Tate. Okay. Um, and I read it often. Um, but it has interviews with Maya Angelou, um, oh. Gail Jones, Audre Lorde, Toni Morrison. Um, I read it all the time because I, anytime I think of, I always say I don't want to write a book, but this is the book that always makes me want to write a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read it so much that in my mind, when I'm rereading it, it's not even like a book. I feel like I'm in the room watching them be interviewed. It's very interesting, but it's one of my favorite books of all time. That's um, cool. Excuse me, and black I just women reread it writers, again. Black at women work. writers at work. At work. Okay. Yeah, and I just I just read it again. Um, um, oh, but also a book that I really liked recently was um, by Kevin and Melissa Fredericks. Okay. It's called Marriage Be Hard. Ooh. Um, oh, do they have a podcast? They do. They have a podcast, and it was very. I, think I saw that. It was very interesting. I really appreciated the fact that she was just very transparent about the differences in conversations that she had because her and her husband have been together since college or high school, um, the different converse, differences and conversations they had about sex uh-huh. um, and how even after like she had saved herself for marriage and even after being married and stuff like that, she still had this inherent 
like value of being like a good girl because she grew up in the church and she was like, and yes. I'm married and I've only been with my husband. And she said, and I still had to unpack stuff because it's just embedded in me. And I really appreciated her transparency with mm-hmm. that. And it's one of the reasons why I always tell people like, talk about sex and sexuality because they're not the same thing with children. But I appreciated how it was a really good example of like, you think that you're protect like she's ma- she's just like, I just, I had to unpack it in therapy because I had no idea why this is still a thing for me. I did everything they told me to do. I did everything they told me to oh, do. That and that purity I, culture will mess you up. Yes. And she had to like process that. And I just really appreciated the fact that she was transparent about that. So that was oh, a very, that was a very good book. Um, and when it comes to, um, they're very big on, the, on like the black church and people in the black church don't really talk about stuff like that. So I was just yeah. like, look at you guys. Good job. Yeah. Good job talking about this because it's never talked about. And even the husband, they wrote the book together. He was just like, I never got any messages like that when it came to sex. We were told we could do what we wanted. It's the women. It's the women. And they were in the yeah. same church. You know, that's how they met. That's why it's just like. But who are you doing everything you want with? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like, we were basically told we could sow our world oats and then we get married. Oh. Versus she was told, don't do anything. anything. And then you feel guilty anytime you do Anything, yeah, even if it's not sex. Yes, at one point I think she said someone said something about like, yeah, you'll just go to hell. And she was yeah. just like, what? There's some really screwed up stuff. Yeah, so I appreciated the transparency with that. That was a really good book. Mm. Okay, what's your last message to leave with our audience? Always remember that um, your children deserve. You can't be the parent you deserve if you are around your children all the time. Oh, I love that. Um, I always say that my children deserve a well-rested and regulated mother. And they will never get that well-rested, regulated mother if they are up under me 24-7. So in order for me to give my children the parent that they deserve, they need to get away from me sometimes. That's so I need to leave sometimes. And they deserve someone who can regulate themselves so we can co-regulate them. They deserve someone who is not sleep-deprived so they're not being irritable. That's who they deserve. And the only way they're going to get that person is if they get out of my face sometimes. Yeah. I love you and back up. Okay. It's like, like, what are we, what are we, where's your dad? What yeah. are we doing? Right. So a lot of times parents think that um mothers think that like motherhood and martyrdom is like how they were reared and that's how they have to mm-hmm. rear their children. But that's not the case. Your children no. deserve a well-rested, well-regulated person who prioritizes things outside of them. They need to see that because you don't want to rear a child who thinks that they are going to be your whole, you know, my children aren't my whole world. It's like a galaxy. They're one of my amazing parent planets, but like, you're not my whole world. Like, oh my gosh, what happens when you leave me? And you're going to leave me. Um, And I haven't given your husband, my, your dad, any attention or myself. Like, so just, they deserve you putting them down a couple pegs some days, right? They deserve you just being like, oh, you want me to stay home. I want to go out. Oh, I won that one. Okay. You might win the next one. You're not winning this one. Yeah. Not at all. I, um, so many times I'm like, I'm a person too. Yeah. I have to put food in my body. I have to take Mm -hmm. a shower. Like I also have needs. You have needs too. And you don't want your children to think that the only person's needs that matter is theirs. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy. And as some, and like, kind of, I feel like kind we've all met that guy. Using, yeah. I feel like we've all met that person who's just like, Ooh. who the freak said the sun's, yeah. you know, like on your behind, like, Can why are you mom? like this? Yeah. It's just like, what the freak is wrong with you? Who reared yeah. you this way? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, you don't want your person, you eventually you want your children to be someone that you would be cool with having a conversation with. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like 
people who children who think everything is about them, you know, their children are meant to be self-centered. Like that's how they survive. But like to a certain extent, like you also, you set the tone for that. Children are designed to take. They're supposed to. You have to decide what you give, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I offer you pizza and you ask for a steak, I offered you pizza. Mm -hmm. I can't get mad when you, when I offer you pizza and steak and then you say you want the steak and it's like, well, I offered you both. Why would you not take both? You can't be you know, exhaust, you can't be so upset when they ask, they want your soul when you're constantly offering it to them on a platter. You can have everything you want. My soul, my energy. Stop it. Yeah. Leave. Uh, it's hard. Mom. It is hard. It's super hard. I'm very blessed with a partner who he can, he can, I mean, he couldn't tell with my oldest, but he can tell now when it's just like tap out Mm. where we literally like tap out and he'll just take them upstairs. Yep. Yep. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Like, Oh, Yeah. Dr. Raquel Martin, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Raquel, for coming on the show. Again, you can find her. She's Raquel Martin PhD on Instagram, RaquelMartinPhD.com on the www. That is her website. (laughs) You can find me on Instagram. I'm LindsayHine626, LindsayHine on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, sandyboyproductions.com to learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network. I also host a podcast for runners called All Have Another. And then I'm a co-host of a really fun running podcast called Relay. It's like a roundtable discussion of all the things happening in the running running industry. Um, we, we do a weekly group chat and it is so much fun. Um, that's the Relay podcast. Um, also learn more about me. LindsayHine.com is my personal website. I've got training plans. If you're looking to train for a half marathon or a marathon or even a 5K at LindsayHine.com. Thanks so much for being here. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review. Share it with your friends on social media. Those are the best ways to support the show. You can also support it on Patreon, patreon.com slash LindsayHine. This podcast is edited by Emma Benner and it is produced by myself, Lindsay Hine, with the help of Emma Benner. Thanks for being here and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?